we're beginning a new series in Psalm 23. And I have to be honest with you, I am very encouraged about starting this psalm, especially after having done the Lord's Prayer. These two um, prayers and kind of aspects of the scripture have been huge parts of the devotional life of Christians throughout the centuries. And before I was even a Christian, my grandmother, my mother's mother, um, who went to Inglewood United Methodist Church just south of Denver on Broadway. Broadway runs north-south through the city of Denver. And as you take Broadway south, you enter into this old town of Inglewood. And my grandmother, since she was five years old, when she moved to Inglewood from Nebraska, told her parents, we should go to church. And the parents weren't going to go to church. So they gave their daughter, which was my grandma, a little coin. And they said, go find a church. My grandmother walked out of her house and up a road and found this little church, which was Inglewood United Methodist Church. And she ended up dying in that church. That was the only church I ever attended as a kid. And the truth is, I didn't attend church hardly at all, maybe a couple times a year with my grandmother. But I remember one Sunday after she'd been at church, she drove up in front of our house, which she often did, and she had two laminated um, pieces of paper, paper with lamination that was a little harder than just totally flimsy. And one was the Lord's Prayer and the other was the 23rd Psalm. And before I was even a Christian, I remember looking at these and reading them and ultimately committing them to memory before I was even a Christian. And these two pieces of the scripture, the Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm, have become foundational to my life with God and become foundational to my prayer life. So when we decided as Redemption Church overall to do the 23rd Psalm, we all began to speak as leaders of how amazing it would be if we challenged ourselves, the whole church. So I'm challenging you now and you can challenge each other to memorize the Lord's Prayer and to memorize the 23rd Psalm. It's very doable. But the 23rd Psalm is, as I will now read, it's this Psalm of David. It's a prayer of David. And in most of our Bibles, it's titled, The Lord is My Shepherd. 23rd Psalm says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray uh, right now that you would speak to us through your word. God, this is a psalm that has served so many for so long. God, there's such power in it that even like me, people who are not even Christians have found solace in this. God, there are words in the psalm that have become lyrics to popular songs because it so speaks. So I just pray that you'd speak to us now, no matter where we are and where we're sitting and what we're thinking and what we're experiencing, that you would show yourself to us as our shepherd. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I can't think about the 23rd Psalm without thinking about my father-in-law, Tom Schrader, who's the founding pastor of Redemption Gilbert, uh, who we lost um, 
just over a year ago, but he, he taught the 23rd Psalm many times, and many of you that are watching this would remember. And I remember walking in when he was teaching the 23rd Psalm as a series, he was breaking it down like we did, and he had designed this breakdown of the 23rd Psalm, and everybody has it. Some of you honestly still may have it stuck in your Bible, but it broke down like this. It said, the Lord is my shepherd. And then there's a little dash under it. It said, that's relationship. I shall not want that supply. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's rest. He leads me beside still waters. That's refreshment. He restores my soul. That's healing. Those are the three verses we're going to look at together right now is Psalm 23, 1 through 3. But when I think about Tom, I think about this truth that this man had really begun to understand all that this psalm and or prayer teaches. When David pens this prayer, he's not penning it thinking it's going to ultimately end up in our Bible. He's reflecting upon God. And many scholars would say that they think David wrote this psalm at the end of his life. Some would even place it in the midst of his struggle with his son Absalom. And as David began to struggle with Absalom, who they were having a power struggle with each other, and it was highly challenging, right away you can understand a man who's a father, who has a heart for his children, that's been through a lot. He himself, David, likely, if this was written at the end of his life, has already committed adultery with Bathsheba and murdered her husband or had her husband murdered. This is a man at the end of his life that's chocked full of regrets. A man certainly at this moment who's thinking maybe my sin previously is what contributed to my son being the way he is. Maybe the reality of me reaping what I've sown and that's why I'm having challenges with Absalom. I have a friend of mine who says that Psalm 23 really is a parental prayer. This moment where parents really worry and struggle and agonize about the welfare and the goodness of their children, where their children are going to end up or where their children have already ended up. But it isn't just that. It could also be, and it is, the prayer of the struggling, the prayer of the exhausted, the prayer of many of us who need to remind ourselves of truth, which is why right away David, a man who grew up as a shepherd boy, at this moment is a king. He's not just a shepherd boy, but he has this moment in the midst of his own valleys of the shadow of death, in the midst of this firestorm inside of his soul, tons of anxiety, likely feelings of despondency and depression, huge amounts of fear that he reminds himself at the very beginning, the Lord is my shepherd. He thinks back to what it was to be a shepherd boy and how he watched the real shepherds lead and guide sheep, sheep who stunk, sheep who weren't very smart, sheep who didn't know what to do, sheep who were going to go on a dangerous path and they cared for these sheep and he said, this is what God's like. God is amidst us. God is with me. It wasn't just the Lord is a shepherd. But look at what it says. He doesn't just say the Lord is a shepherd. He says the Lord is my shepherd. So right away as we sit back, we go, wow, the man who's penning this psalm and this prayer is coming from context and feeling feelings that is so common to human beings. 
whether it's the, uh, being a concerned parent about Absalom, which so many of us can relate to, or it's just the feelings of deep amount of isolation and being alone, even if you're around people, struggling with anxiety, struggling with depression. Here's the big one, struggling with fear of what's next. Whatever it is, we can relate to that. But here's what I want you to see. Where he starts isn't by saying, here's all the things I'm worried about, though he is. He begins to pen the prayer with a reminder, the Lord is my shepherd. It's personal. God is the one guiding us. He's guiding you. He's guiding me. God is the one leading us. God is the one who cares enough about us to be our personal shepherd. This is a promise of the new covenant, is that through the new covenant of faith and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, that God becomes our God and we become his people. It's very personal. It's very intimate. He knows all of our realities. He knows all of our thoughts and he knows all of our concerns. The Lord is my shepherd. And then David comes to this conclusion, I shall not want, which Tom Schrader, the founding pastor of this church, my father-in-law said, that's supply. All of the time, our fear is motivated by this reality of scarcity. And a lot of times scarcity plays out. If this is a prayer of a concerned parent of, am I enough? Am I gonna be a good enough dad? I relate to this like crazy. Truth be told, if there's something I worry about the most, it's my kids. Things that keep me up the most is about my children. When I feel the most amount of anxiety, it's me thinking, am I enough as a dad? Am I giving them enough? Am I leading them to Jesus enough? Am I teaching them morals enough? Am I giving them the practices that are gonna make them successful in life enough? Am I teaching them a hard enough work ethic? It's all this reality of scarcity, of wondering if I'm enough, wondering if they're enough. But the reality is the Lord is the supplier. He is the provider. There's a name when you study the name of God, Jehovah Jireh, that is really about God as a provider. God provides. And that's what David is reminding himself is that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? It doesn't mean I shall not want is not saying we have no desires. We're full of desires. Could God made us that way? But it's this sense of the one who's walking with me as my shepherd owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the one who owns it all, who spoke creation into existence, who's powerful enough to uphold the whole world by the word of his power. He is not poor. He is rich. And because he's my shepherd, the New Testament goes even further and calls God our father because he's my father. I shall not want. He is my supply. He then says this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now the imagery of that, um, I think even when you just say it, um, there's been a famous Bible commentator that says to add any words to Psalm 23 feels like an injustice. Like it is so good on its own, just when you read it, it's like, I shouldn't even say anything. I should just let it do its work. But I'm supposed to teach this now, so I will say something about it. But when you see this statement of he makes me lie down in green pastures, it makes you think immediately of like lush greenery. 
the kind of greenery where there's a cool breeze that's there and a tree that's shading the green and you feel the coolness of the grass as you lay in it and it just the nature of the picture provides a sense of rest and relaxation. But I want you to see a really interesting word here. It says, he makes me lie down. That word makes, um, when you look at it, is very active. It isn't just he's letting me or he's allowing me to make a decision, but it's this moment where as our shepherd, who has and owns it all, it's why we shouldn't want, is saying, you know what, right now, I'm gonna make you lay down because you need to rest. I'm gonna take you like a father would take a child that needs a nap and just say, hey, relax. In our world, I need you to understand you stop striving. There's a real question out there about God's purposes, even in the midst of COVID-19, is if it wasn't him making us to rest, if it wasn't a moment where he sovereignly in his power said, you know what, you need a Sabbath that you've been unwilling to take. Or a moment where he said, I'm going to make you deal with just sitting still for a while so that you can see all that's raging inside you that you're ignoring through all of your adrenaline induced action. And you haven't slowed down long enough to go, what's going on inside of me? So his moment of making us to lay down in green pastures is a loving work of a shepherd, or you could say in the New Testament terms, a father to bring stillness to us for us to begin to be more comfortable in our own skin and ultimately more comfortable in his arms, in his care, in his direction. The Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And then he says this, he leads me beside still waters. There's a really interesting passage of Jesus that's a great parallel passage, and it's a very famous one that's mentioned in many of the Gospels, but I'll speak about John 6, and it's Jesus feeding the 5,000. And Jesus gets off of a boat, and it says he sees this whole crowd, and he has compassion upon them. This word compassion is such a powerful word that's used throughout the New Testament, and it literally means bowels, like guts of mercy. Jesus himself sees these people and he says, they were like sheep without a shepherd, John 6. Now, if you do a comparison study, which is a great way to do Bible study, if you compared it to Psalm 23, Jesus gets off a boat, he sees all of these people, he's moved with bowels, guts of mercy, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, compare it to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus begins to show himself as a shepherd. And he says to his disciples, feed these people. And his disciples show that they are very much like David in the psalm. They're anxious. Where would we get it? They're thinking in scarcity. We don't have enough. And Jesus says, feed them. But we don't have enough. Find something. And they find a boy with five loaves of bread and two fish. And he says, bring me what you have. And he shows himself as a Lord who is a shepherd, who isn't himself in need, but who's a God of abundance. And he multiplies. But as in before he multiplies the fish, what he does with the crowds, as you read it in the gospels, is he makes them sit down in green pastures. 
And then as he sits down in green pastures, he's stilling them and he provides for them so much that they have stacks and stacks of bread and many fish left over and everybody's minds are blown of how did he feed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish? Because he's the God who is not in need, but who's a God of abundance and who owns it all. Jesus is the perfect picture. And this is what John 10 says. He is the good shepherd and his sheep hear his voice and understand he is their shepherd on a personal level. And this is what David understood. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now he leads me. He isn't making me lie down. He makes me lie down, shows himself as a caring shepherd, and then he just begins to lead me beside still waters. Now he's guiding, he's understanding like a father would with a child or a mother would with a child is that our job is to guide them to sustain themselves. But with God, it's sustain themselves by feasting upon God himself, by trusting in God himself. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside not roaring waters because that's what it feels like inside of us, but beside still waters. And then here's ultimately what he's doing. He restores my soul. I have to be honest, as I sit and read that, there are so many moments in my life that reoccur where I know what I need is the restoration of the deepest part of who I am, the restoration of my soul. And truth be told, I know so many of us watching this feel right now like our home life is chaotic. We feel like our businesses are unknown. We feel like the world is a frightening, like roaring rapids place that you don't know what to expect next. And with the next wave, you could drown. This reality of we have a ton of fear. And where are we always supposed to take our fear? Well, the Bible is very clear that we are to cast our cares upon God because he cares for us. That we are to come to him when we are weary and heavy laden, Jesus says, in the gospels, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What he's saying is, I will, as the good shepherd, John 10, restore your soul. So regardless of what it is that you're feeling or you're experiencing, or even right now, you're like, you don't understand the totality of my situation. You're right, I don't, but God does. And God is your and our shepherd. He is the one who owns it all. He has no wants. And if he's walking with you, you shall not want. He is the one who will make you lie down in green pastures. So these moments when I'm up at night perpetually thinking and trying to solve all of the world's problems or all of redemption's problems or all of my problems, he's saying, let me do work for you. Lie down and go to sleep and know that while you sleep, I don't. And I can just say a prayer, Lord, you know these are my concerns. Make me lie down and bring restoration to my soul. As we end right now, the reality of where we sit um, right now in phase one of this COVID situation, let us never forget that God isn't just a distant God, but that God is ever personal and ever present and he is a shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He is the good father. Trust him. Believe in him. 
walk with him, talk with him, love him. He's paid every cost. Let's pray. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you really would release your Holy Spirit to testify with our spirits that we are children of God. Spirit, I pray that you would speak to those of us who question that. And God, if it's real, that you would bring confirmation. If it's not, God, that you would bid and call us home, that you would call us to Jesus, that right now people would repent, turn to you and believe the good news of the gospel. God, you showed yourself as shepherd and as carer of our souls most of all in the cross of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, now we're going to remember God's love for us in the practice of communion. Obviously, that this is always far better when we're doing it in person with one another. And so right now, I ask you to grab the bread and the cup and for us to remember God's display to us of his love for us and the fact that he cares about our souls in the cross, that it really was Jesus' body and his blood that ultimately displayed him being our good shepherd. It's ultimately what leads us to green pastures. It's what leads us beside still waters. It's what saves our soul. So as we remember this, let us eat in remembrance of Christ's body given for us. And now we stare at the cup the blood of the new covenant that was shed for the forgiveness of sin, which means the forgiveness of our sin. That if we are going to call Jesus our shepherd, he's my shepherd. That means he's my savior. He paid for my sins. Let us drink in remembrance of him. Redemption, we love Jesus because he first loved us. Let us worship. 